The book was better. And welcome, everybody, to the Book Was Better podcast. I am Kaylee Clark. I'm Taylor Collette. And I'm coming over, getting over a cold, so I personally feel like my voice sounds weird. Maybe you guys don't think so, but if it does, that's why. And it was just a cold. It was not COVID. I took a test. It was negative. (laughs) Before we get into things, Tay, do you have any announcements? Uh, no. (laughs) I don't think I do either. Yeah, no announcements, but um, I mean, I guess maybe just a reminder that if you missed it, last week we talked about the Harry Potter reunion in our mini-sode, and then our first episode of the year we talked about Ella Enchanted, which we had quite a bit of fun with. So if you've missed those, still check those out. Otherwise... We're doing something a little bit new. Well, yeah, it's it's a little new this week. So we're talking about Treasure Island. But we very purposefully with intent chose a movie adaptation that we know going into it is going to be very different because we decided to compare it to Treasure Planet. And this was uh, suggested to us by Jill, um, one of our listeners, and we loved the idea because we love treasure planet we love treasure planet so um so yeah so we'll be talking about robert louis stevenson's treasure island and comparing it to treasure planet so i mean i guess if there's no other like announcements or anything we i can just dive into my spiel yeah yeah straight to the spiel straight to the spiel okay so Robert Louis Stevenson published Treasure Island all the way back in 1883. It is considered a classic novel. That's crazy. Right? (laughs) And then uh, Treasure Planet came out in 2002. Yes, that is correct. This year, Treasure Planet will be 20 years old. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Ugh. Oof. Gross. (laughs) Big oof. Anyway. Uh, so we've got a kind of a little bit of a different lineup. So we have two directors, both Ron Clements and John Musker. Then for screenplay, we have screenplay writers as well as like animation story writers that were listed, um, kind of all under like the screenplay credits. So screenplay was Rob Edwards and then John Musker and Ron Clements again. And then the animation story was also Ron Clements and John Musker, as well as Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. So, I mean, that is there is more that goes into directing, I think, and and setting up an animated story versus like a live action. So that mm. was kind of interesting to me uh, to see. This was the first time, though, that when looking at screenplay credits, um. It's it had both screenplay writer and animation story writer like oh, all in the same clump because mm-hmm. this is not the first animated film. No, no, this no. This is the first animated one we've talked about. It's not. No, yeah, so. no. We have Fantastic Mr. Fox, Coraline, though. I guess both of those are like yeah. claymation, not but animation. Still, um, but still, anyway, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, the original music was done by James Newton Howard believe he has done music for other um movies that we've talked about he did a great job the music in this movie is beautiful it is beautiful and then the casting was done by mary hidalgo and ruth lambert great casting the voice cast i'm just gonna say this now because it's not one of my three so it's technically an honorable mention but i'm just gonna mention it now the voice actors for this movie are phenomenal they're oh yeah amazingly casted just so well done this is one of disney's underrated like hidden gems of the early 2000s right like there was treasure planet there was atlantis there were a couple others where it was like why are these movies not talked about more why are they not (laughs) 
acknowledged because they're amazing. Because they're amazing. And like the animation style also where they kind of mixed it with CGI and stuff like this. This this movie is visually beautiful as well. Mm -hmm. Just the entire thing. So I just thrown that out there now, too. Um, Anyway, synopsis, plot line, whatever. Treasure Island and Treasure Planet both still follow the same basic plot where they follow. It's basically a coming of age story for Jim Hawkins, James Hawkins, who is a young boy who goes off on a treasure hunting adventure. Comes across pirates, has to grow up and mature to overcome challenges and walks away like a man. Right. Like yeah, it's enters a, it's the a- story a boy. Leaves a story a man. It's a coming, it's a coming of, of it's, it's your classic building yeah. Roman. It's your classic building Roman. So, a coming of age story. That's normally what we say. Sorry, English degree. <laughs> I don't know what words just came out of your mouth, but it's spelled B I L D U N G S R O M A N. Building Roman. It's one word. <laughs> coming of age story, and it's a genre. It's basically just the genre title for coming of age stories. Okay, it's gotcha. A thing. Okay. Little Women is considered a building Roman. Lots of things are. But anyway, I love both this book and this movie. So I'm excited to dive into it. I did write down, right? Like we talked about, I wrote down who went first. So I wrote down on Ellen Enchanted that I went first, which means this time you go first. So yes. Taylor, go ahead and take us away with your number three. All right. My number three, and I think this is a great one to start on because it's the biggest differentiator between them. <laughs> Facts. Um, is the setting. And I'm actually going to talk about the setting kind of for my number three and my number two because it's a big deal. <laughs> but my number it's a three, big deal. <laughs> my number three specifically is the in my opinion, the Star Trek influences. And I mean, I don't have any background knowledge to be like yes this director said blah 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 that you know it was based on this but if you just watch it if you've seen star trek (laughs) and you watch this movie you can see the references you can see the similarities it's there well it is treasure island but in space Yes. So and I think that these directors and these people who made this movie definitely had Star Trek in mind. There is one very specific quote that is hardcore, a quote from Star Trek. And that's when Dr. Dobler says, like, dang it, Jim, I'm a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. I'm the blah, blah, blah. Because there's a character. I I have I have. Google search is amazing. Uh-huh. Treasure Planet took roughly four and a half years to create, but the concept for Treasure Planet, which was called Treasure Island in Space at the time, was originally pitched by John Clement in 1985 mm-hmm. at the Gong Show meeting, wherein he and John Musker also pitched The Little Mermaid. The pitch was rejected by Michael Eisner, who knew Paramount Pictures was developing a Star Trek sequel with a Treasure Island angle. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, he it was very clearly like this is very similar to Star Trek. Like, no, we can't, we can't do, do this, this right, right now. now. And so they waited to do it until 2002. <laughs> but the quote with the doctor is straight up a quote from Star Trek where the doctor on the ship always says, dang it. He swears, but dang it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not dang a blank. It, Jim, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. So that was a clear line. Well, and I do really like I'm I'm a doctor, not a doctor. Well, I have a doctor. I am a doctor, but I'm not that a kind doctor. Of doctor. And with a doctor, you can't help anybody. Yes. And then there's the fact that if you've seen the new Star Trek movies, the ones with Chris Pine. Sorry if you hear my dog in the background. Which Chris? There's lots, lots of Chris's. <laughs> my my dog is trying to get out of his crate. So ignore that in the background. But I can't Chris, hear it. Great. Chris Pine Star Trek movies, the newest ones. The first one you open on him speeding down a highway and getting arrested and getting brought to his parents. But that movie came out came out after. after. I'm saying that. But that was also (laughs) taken from that was inspired from the original Star Trek story with Jim Kirk, whose name is also Jim. So the ties between Star Trek and Treasure Island slash Treasure Planet, I think, run deeper than a lot of people 
think about. I wouldn't be surprised, and again, not Googling this, because we have to remember that this book originally came out in 1883. So it's highly possible that it is the origin. So the fact that Jim Kirk and Jim Hawkins have the same name, it's like Jim Hawkins technically came first. (laughs) So it's possible that Star Trek was inspired by Treasure Island, and then Treasure Island with Star Trek became Treasure Planet, and it's just interesting to look at it from that perspective because it's very similar uh, setting to Star Trek where mm-hmm. you have interstellar travels pretty normal aliens interacting with people pretty much the norm different languages and going on these adventures to new planets like that's the premise of Star Trek so Treasure mm-hmm. Planet really I feel like took that and then threw in the Treasure Island into that I mean I think it's much more Treasure Planet is Treasure Island in space. Like, yeah, I can see the similarities to Star Trek, but that's just because they're both in space. Like the original story and the plot, the plot of Treasure Planet still very, very closely follows the original plot from the book that was released in 1883. Star Trek did not exist until 1966. Okay, I'm not not saying (laughs) that it's more Star Trek than Treasure Island. I'm just saying there's a clear... If you have watched all the Star Treks, you see it. If you're a Trekkie, (laughs) if you're a Trekkie, you know what I'm talking about. Well, and I I feel like when I was watching Treasure Planet, I feel like there was. Never mind, I'm going to get to it later. I'm not going to even yep, talk about nope, it now. Nope. <laughs> so anyways, I this is just my third point. And it's just the idea that, like, I think that that also the space setting in general, which I'm going to talk about with my second point, I it reminded me of something that I love, Star Trek. And so for me, I was already like fully on board, mm-hmm. obviously, from the get go. So that definitely swayed my opinion of the book versus the movie. And I definitely love the the whole interpretation of it in a space setting. I think that it was genius on their part mm-hmm. um, to do that. And so, yeah, I, that's all I'm going to say. I'll wait for my second point to get more into the setting. <laughs> OK. um so i i actually listened to the majority of treasure island and so i'm trying to see who easier i think it's easier to listen to it than to read it because i tried reading it i know i wouldn't i i don't think i don't i read it too i i feel like every time i stopped reading it and then went to um listen to it my brain had to do a significant shift because the reader does hardcore sailor accents and like pirate accents and things which is awesome because it made it super immersive yeah it really was just like let's whisk you away to a different time period and you know a different part of the world and just it was really cool well i feel like even just the book itself is written in like a pirate like what's the word i'm looking for well it it is the book itself like he reads the the the, it's i don't know if i'd say accent the lilt yeah and everything like it it, the lingo everything it he the way it's written still includes pirate and sailor language to mimic the way that sailors speak yeah but it's one thing to read it and another (laughs) to listen to it i guess that's true I had a hard time um, when I first started reading the book because I was like, oh, OK, we're in pirate land now. OK. <laughs> and I do pirate land now. adjust my brain accordingly. Um, but so so the book, it's, it's your classic adventure novel. It's your classic coming of age pirate adventure. And so while I love the movie, I do feel like some of the updates to the movie which aren't all bad things and like i'll get to that too in further points because honestly i wouldn't really consider any of my points to be true grievances this time around right Mm -hmm. it's so good just like the classic pirate tale Mm -hmm. 
And you do lose a little bit of that immersion and that sailor, historical sailor life in the movie. Because oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They switch it to be sci-fi instead of adventure fiction. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's adventure sci-fi. Again, not necessarily a bad thing. I don't know. It's really it's really good. I definitely way, I feel like um, definitely having the space setting makes you almost focus more on the space stuff going on than the fact that like, oh, yeah, they're pirates and stuff like classic pirates, like Pirates of the Caribbean vibe where you're like, whoa, pirates. <laughs> whoa pirates like whoa they murder people left and right yes. <laughs> like like it's like in the movie you've got Scroop who does like straight up murder Mr. Arrow like, yeah that does happen but otherwise like there's and I guess it is also a children's movie like it's targeted but Pirates of the Caribbean is different. also made by Disney yeah, but Pirates of the Caribbean's rating is PG-13 and Treasure Planet's rating so. is PG. I guess that's true. But it's like the movie. Yeah, they're still pirates, but there's they're slightly less like, violence. Whereas like right from the get go in the book, like chapter one or two, like there's like a full on like cutlasses out. Yeah. Fighting. Classic slash, pirate Like fight. blood everywhere. Like. <laughs> yeah. Death and destruction. Um. Which, again, isn't absent from the movie, but just different. It's just different. I'm not I'm not saying it's a, a grievance or anything. It's just. It's it's you missing, lose a little bit sure. of that classic pirate tale in the movie. Yeah. That, that's what my point is. That, that's yeah. all I'm saying. I guess that's, that's what it comes down to. No, that's totally fair. I would agree with that. But then there are multiple versions. I listened to the version on Audible. The unabridged, so that's another thing, is there's both an abridged and an unabridged version. That makes sense. Um, it's a long book. Well, there's a, the unabridged version is kind of more targeted for children. I mean, the abridged version. Yeah, is kind I was of like, hold up, hold more up. For children. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, um, Neil Hunt does a really good job. He, he reads an abridged version. Um and then there's an unabridged version that's read by, uh, uh, I can't say his name, but yeah, Audible's got, I was, I was impressed with this one. I'm very picky about my audiobooks. Mm. I think I mentioned it before, like when we did Hunger Games, could not do the Hunger Games audiobooks. I can't stand the person who reads them. I cannot stand the narrator. They're awful. Whereas the Harry Potter books has a great narrator. I can listen to the Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. The Martian, I can listen to the Martian audiobook. It's got a good narrator. Like, I'm very particular. <laughs> and this one was good. So if you don't can't find the time or don't, you know, can't really see yourself sitting down and reading this book, I would recommend listening to it. I believe there are versions of it that if you have Kindle Unlimited, it is then also free to listen to on Audible. So that was a little bit of a sidetrack thing because I did not have to pay to listen to this. I could just click and it was it said included and I just listened to it. <laughs> there you go. So. So, yeah, that's my number three, as well as some additional information about audiobooks. <laughs> yes, there you go. Fun little tangent. OK, uh, so back to the setting. Because, <laughs> again, yes, big part of this. <laughs> so I think the biggest thing that the setting did is obviously when you're on a boat sailing on the oceans of <laughs> when you're on a boat <laughs> um sailing on the oceans of earth um the biggest like things you have to worry about are like big waves or like storms storms oh a shark <laughs> A giant whale, maybe. Other pirates. <laughs> I don't know. Like other not, ships. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like the book is much more character interaction, character tension driven. In the fact that like that's all that I hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. In the fact okay. that that's like that's really all that they have going for them. I feel like the fight scenes are like intense. 
But it's like, you know, it's something that you can easily picture in your head. The like, the combat, not combat, the conflict. Yeah, any conflict, any kind of high yeah. stress situation in the book is just between people. Yeah. I see is, is that I see what you mean, yeah. Yes. Whereas when you suddenly put it in space, Oh boy. The star has gone supernova. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of stuff that can it's go into wrong. A black hole. Like the planet's exploding. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Big doors opening and closing and opening and closing. Muy diferente. <laughs> well, yeah, it's again, it's science fiction now. <laughs> yeah. So suddenly the drama and the conflict and the everything is way more high stakes way more intense but i flashy. feel like in the in the same sense they did so think about again back to the 1800s mm-hmm. they weren't thinking about exploring space yet right well, like obviously they were still discovering islands and sailing yes. to new places and stuff in the 1800s you know yeah whereas to release something in the 2000s that to, to capture Space. that similar feeling the of final exploration and yeah, you know, exploration. It's like, I feel like they did a good job of capturing that same sense of exploration and adventure and, you know, going somewhere where, you know, others, you know, not many people have been before and all that kind of stuff. I think mm-hmm. that was still very there and very comparable between sea and space. Yeah. And I think that I'm not saying it's not comparable. I'm just saying they went from zero to a hundred in the (laughs) (laughs) like scope of drama. But it was good. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. Beautiful cinematography. (laughs) Oh yeah. But I think that it also, they needed to make up for the fact that there was a lot less bloodshed. (laughs) Like, mm-hmm. you couldn't straight up just have people murdering each other in this Disney film. So, I mean, they did, but in less, but not in bloody ways. No, but so they no had to come up with this. Down with the sword. This third party, in this case, the black hole, to <laughs> suddenly come in as the person that, the thing that would kill Mr. Arrow. Because mm-hmm. they couldn't just have screwed well, In the going. book, Mr. Arrow just kind of disappears one day and the captain's like oh yeah i'm pretty sure he went overboard <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> very no, different i'm gonna talk about that i'm gonna talk about that more in my next point yeah <laughs> but i think that for me it was just like reading the book after watching the movie because i mean i've seen this movie a million times so a million times because it's, it's amazing seriously it's so good i love it so i couldn't go into reading the book unaffected by the movie like i have in previous times where i've read the book first Mm -hmm. so it's untainted that was impossible so going into reading the book it was just a lot more i don't want to say expected but like a lot more had you read this book before no i hadn't i've never read treasure island before so it was just more run-of-the-mill pirate story and i think just because of the time that we live in we have been oversaturated with pirates, whereas back in the 1800s, obviously, this was thrilling. And yeah, but this is I, I still feel like this is just like your classic original pirate adventure. Like you can't. Oh, yeah, it is. It, it's it's so good in its simplicity. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a simple story. Like, I still feel I, like I don't it has say simple the levels no, no, no. And stuff. I just mean, it's like more, I guess it was just easier to imagine in my brain everything that mm-hmm. was happening because it's more things I'm familiar with. Like boats. I've seen boats. I've seen the ocean. I've seen and And, and because we're, yeah, and you understand the terminology better. Yeah. You know, slip, like schooner, like all these different like shipping terms, like because of Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff, yeah. like we recognize the different parts of the boat and whatnot. So I think just reading the book, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm following. Good, great, okay. And then it's your, you know, it's a coming of age story. And I kind of understood the basic storyline. So it just wasn't as like mentally uh, challenging. Yeah, stimulating. 
as the movie because the movie is set in this space setting where it's like, whoa, that's crazy. I don't even stars. What is happening? <laughs> Especially when I watched <laughs> <Stars>. it stars <laughs> as a child who, you know, Aliens. space was still this very foreign concept. We've learned a lot more in the past, you know, 15 mm. years, but 20 years, I 20. guess. <laughs> <laughs> November of this year, it'll be 20 years old. Wow. Oh, treasure. Treasure planet. So I don't know if that made any sense. Listen, Jim Hawkins was one of my early childhood crushes. Oh, hundred percent. Okay, if you're movie. telling me you watched this movie <laughs> and you didn't have a crush on him, you're lying. Then you're lying. Lies and slander. <laughs> That's gonna be our poll question. Did you have a crush Did on Jim Hawkins? Did you have Hawkins? a crush on Treasure Planet Jim Hawkins? <laughs> it should be a hundred percent yes. I mean, unless you're a straight male, then maybe no. Even then. But even, even then. then. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, oh. I don't know if that point made sense, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know if any of my points for yeah. this episode are going to make sense. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings. She doesn't even go here. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to let you do your number two now. I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> um, I promise my number uh, one will make more sense. That one I I really know I can articulate. My number one will make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yes, my number one will make sense. So just hold on, guys. We're getting hold there. <laughs> so my number two is about the Captain and Mr. Arrow. So first of all, yeah. So in the book, Mr. Arrow is hired. Is like. A hired member of the crew. Yeah, he's not with the captain. He he's doesn't with the come crew. joined with the captain. Yeah. And he is still like hired to be like the first mate. Mm -hmm. But he has no control or order over the crew members. Nobody listens to him. No. He's drunk all the time. Nobody knows where he's getting the alcohol. Yeah. He is an entirely <laughs> like, different character. And he does, he disappears one day because he's so drunk that he just like falls overboard. That's how he, that's how he goes overboard and disappears. No malicious intent. He just drinks what himself a overboard. Line. What a storyline. Um, the captain, however, and so I actually like that they gave the captain in the movie kind of like a, a built-in ally and that they they changed up Mr. Arrow's character a bit because despite the major change of the captain in the movie being a woman, which, of course, That's I love. Right. <laughs> I love her. The She's awesome. The character of the captain across the book in the movie movie is still very similar. Strong, moral, like like stands her ground slash his ground. Right. Like in the book knows what they want, knows what they think. Very blunt and like out in the open with it. They immediately recognize that the crew is not who they th say they are, does not trust them, does not like them. That's all the same, basically. Mm -hmm. Major difference being Amelia, Captain Amelia versus Captain. I can't even He's got right quite now. the name. But yeah. And then the fact that they make Mr. Arrow in the movie an upstanding actual mm -hmm. first mate who the captain trusts and who the crew actually listens to. And then when he goes overboard, I mean, they listen to him begrudgingly, but yes, but they listen to him mm -hmm. uh, and they don't, he doesn't just fall overboard, right? He gets knocked overboard during the star Solar supernova black thing hole I just incident. <laughs> Yes, and Mr. Scroop cuts his lifeline, which makes him fall into the black hole to his doom yes. and demise. Yes. And which so, then, there's the whole thing where that's playing I, out on Jim's consciousness, but we're going to talk about that later. I'm going to talk about that on my number one, so it's fine. So I I like that they kept the, the captain's convictions the same. There you mm -hmm. go. That's the word I've been wanting to use this whole time. There you go. And I actually really and again, I like that they they made Mr. Arrow more of a character and more yeah, important. like <laughs> and and more and valuable the captain storyline. Because in in the book, it's like in the beginning there, the captain is like on his own. Yeah. Like he does not trust the crew and does not like the crew. He makes this known to Jim and Dr. 
it's Dr. Livesey in the book Mm -hmm. versus Dr. Doppler. And Dr. Livesey is an actual doctor versus Dr. Doppler, who is an astrophysicist, astronomer, whatever. These are honorable mentions that I'm mentioning now. But um, (laughs) Dr. Livesey, you know, doesn't necessarily like the captain in the beginning because he speaks so openly outright against the crew that Dr. Livesey hired. And Dr. Livesey is kind of a proud guy. And, you know, Jim doesn't like the captain so much in the beginning because the captain actually makes him work and, like, do things. I mean, that's kind of the same in the movie. Exactly. Well, but that's true of Dr. Doppler in the beginning in the movie, yeah. too, where he doesn't he's all love like, the captain. How dare this captain tell me, like, who's ironic, hiring whom? Like, they're it's, a dog and a cat. <laughs> yes. And it's very clever. And again, the movie is amazing. Um, but they follow the movie follows the book mm-hmm. in those ways and in those, you know, character development points. Just they make the captain a girl in, well, in the and movie. They and I love a, that. They had a romance subplot as well very disney of them very very minor but it's a funny it's so funny though because like you said it's like she's like a cat inspired alien and species and he's like a dog inspired alien species and they do they like fight like cats and dogs haha in the beginning and like can't get along and then they fall in love fall in love and yes have it's great. babies um and have babies. so many babies <laughs> have a because it's a litter because they're dogs and cats yes they have multiple at once okay yeah. anyways that's not the point but so this isn't a grievance it's an anti-grievance because if anything like i like of course of course back written in 1883 there were not going to be any female characters oh, okay no. there weren't going to no. be any women on this pirate ship other than jim's mom who in the book isn't really a major character at all no there's not really any female players there just Mm -hmm. isn't so of course i'm gonna like that they added strong female characters to the movie because jim's mom in the movie is also just like a bad a woman who doesn't take crap and she's runs the inn on her own and is great and good we love sarah hawkins okay yeah we love her so yeah that's my number two and I guess some honorable mentions, which is a good segue into honorable mentions. You so. know, the ones we haven't already mentioned in the episode. Yes. Um, another honorable um, mention. Um, geez, I'm trying to think what ones we've talked about already. Well, so they, they did change the ship name, which I thought was interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they kept some names the same. Mm-hmm. Like Jim, like Long John Silver. Yeah. Um, you know, Hawkins, they kept Billy Bones, the name mm-hmm. of Billy Bones. That's yep. all the same. They changed the ship's name from the Hispaniola to the RSS Legacy. They changed, you know, from Dr. Livesey to Dr. Doppler. Mm-hmm. They gave Jim's mom a name because I don't yes. believe she's ever named in the book. No, um, I think it's obviously just they the mom. changed the name of the captain because they changed the gender of the captain. Mr. Arrow stays the same, even though he's not even that big of a player in the book. Like, no, I guess they just <laughs> liked that name enough. They're like, yeah, we'll leave that one. Yeah, that's fine. Um, um Cyborg, you know, versus, versus like the man leg. with one leg, you know, like mm-hmm. a peg, like very Clever. cool way of like keeping the same idea, but making it science fiction. Like, mm-hmm. I liked that. Um, I don't know if you're going to talk about this one, but his dad's situation is totally different. No, I'm totally. No, that's a pound. No, stop it. That's part of my number one. I wasn't sure. So I wanted to touch on it. OK, so my number that, one is Jim's character and his character development. That's a, that's kind of fall under that. OK, OK. Um, <laughs> can we talk about Billy Bones and the the change with how much he's in it? Because <laughs> in the oh, book. Yeah. The whole beginning of the book is Billy Bones staying at the inn for a while and like for a while, like a and while building this relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, obviously, when he tells Jim, like, beware the man with the peg leg, which Jim in the book kind of just says, sure. OK. And then totally ignores that advice um, well, because I don't know. They, they add this suspense in the movie. I don't think he ignores him because it's like right as Billy Bones like dies, like literally his dying words are beware the cyborg and then dies. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Jim then takes that pretty seriously when he gets on this boat and immediately is introduced to a cyborg. Like, but the thing is, he doesn't know anything about Billy Bones. He literally crashes. He brings him inside and then he dies. He doesn't know who this guy mm-hmm. is. This guy could be anyone. I know, but he got a treasure map from this guy. I guess, but what if that so guy stole I, the treasure map from someone else? You don't know. I don't know. care. I would trust the man that gave me a treasure map <laughs> that actually led to an actual treasure island planet, okay? Like, <laughs> I would be all like, okay, dude, if you had this awesome map to literally, you know, like legends call it, you know, the treasure of a thousand worlds, uh-huh. I would not need to know him very much. To then believe him when he says, hey, watch out for this guy. <laughs> I guess. I guess. But I just thought it was interesting. I mean, I get why they cut down the Billy Bones stuff because it's a movie. They only have so much time. And the Billy Bones stuff takes mm-hmm. up a good chunk of the beginning. Like It's like too much time. Like, I'm going to be yeah. honest. It, it t- it's too much of the story. It's a lot it's just, of buildup. It's just a lot of buildup of Billy Bones at this inn. And then he's like thinking he's still the captain of everyone around him, even though yeah. he's staying at this inn. And like these people have he's no obligation to listen kooky. to him. And he's very drunk all the time on yeah. rum. And he becomes very much Jack Sparrow with why is the rum gone? <laughs> yeah. So I get why they made that change. And I'm honestly not mad about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not mad about it. Um, so that was one honorable mention I had. That was pretty big. Um... You got any others that you want to talk about? I'm trying to think of ones. Well, just think that I kind of. I mean, I think there's a major one that neither one of us are going to talk about, right? Where it's like, yeah, in the end of the movie, like Treasure Planet blows up. Nobody gets the treasure. Yeah, that's a major change from the book. They get a handful. They they get get the treasure and they get the treasure in the book. That's true. That's true. Like the island is still there and he opens the book with I can't tell you where this island is because we have not procured all the treasure yet. Like he opens the book. Yeah. Like they're still going back and getting more treasure. Like that's not a possibility in the movie. It explodes. No, it, it is. Or as high as a Calypsian kite, as Ben says. So. <laughs> oh, Ben. We should mention him. Oh, Ben is ben. an amazing addition. <laughs> he is a phenomenal addition, and he's voiced by Martin Short. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, Martin Short. Short. Stort? Who's... No, it's Martin Short. Okay. Okay, now... Now, now I have a second, second guess yourself. My entire life. Martin Short. Yeah, Martin Short. I was okay, right. There you go. And he's hilarious. Yeah. He is a phenomenal comedian and actor, and he does such a good job with being this quirky, witty robot that they mm-hmm. add to the story. And he's amazing and hilarious, and I love it. Yeah. I love that the whole storyline with Ben and the, you know, going to getting into the door to get to the center of the mechanism which is the planet which is like that whole thing was obviously added in and the booby traps and everything like they really took that whole end section and went significant difference science fiction (laughs) what exactly and i but but it's science fiction maintaining the heart of a true treasure like story well it's because like the that's idea the reason that pirates would hide their treasure and bury their treasure and have this trove right because they didn't want people t- getting it even after they died yeah. why would you care you're dead yeah. but no they're pirates so care. they're so selfish. and so like even in but it does make sense you know, in that universe, real treasure island in that, that universe, that would happen. Exactly. he would set a booby trap like that. If that were available in the 1800s, I'm sure they would have done it then, then too. Flint in the Flint in treasure. And that's the other thing. It's still Captain Flint's treasure mm-hmm. in book and movie. That's another yeah, they thing they didn't the change. And and he was a feared pirate who yeah. did just steal like a ton of stuff. And a big difference, though, is in the book, it hasn't been like 100 years Mm-hmm. It's been recent enough that literally all of the pirates who were trying to get the treasure in the book all sailed under Captain Flint originally. Yeah. At some point, like they all yeah. knew him. <laughs> Which actually I think would have been cool 
to include in the movie in some fact. Some kind of connection. Like, yeah. Some kind of connection. Ben. I guess that was Ben. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the fact that it was a hundred years later, whereas in the in the book, it had not been that long mm-hmm. since Flint died. And his name still struck fear in the name of just. I mean, just struck fear in the hearts of just your average town folks and, yeah. you know, like the hamlet around where. Yeah, it was definitely lived. more. I feel like in the book, it was more Jim knew of him in like this, like more fearsome kind of like we don't mess with him kind of vibe. We don't talk about him. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, in the movie, Jim movie, was like, oh, this is a cool legend. Him. It's in a storybook. He's like, like he disappeared without a trace. How did he do it? That's so cool. Very different vibes. Yeah. Okay. I could go okay, on and on. I think that covers all the other Because they're mentions. so different. <laughs> but we'll just get to the, the But the one. same. It's so interesting because they yeah. are they're so different yet the same. So yeah. the heart of them, this is the same. But the everything around it, the body is totally different. Yeah, that heart and that spirit of adventure and everything and the coming of age, like the, the important parts are all the same, which I think is why it doesn't bother me that they're different in yeah. the other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to try to talk about my number one without encroaching too much on your number one. Yeah, I know. They're similar, guys. We'll just say this right now. They'll flow. (laughs) They'll flow into each other. They'll flow. So Mm -hmm. my number one is specifically uh, Jim and Silver's relationship. So in the book, it's very much like Silver is the bad guy. He is the villain of the story. I mean, it's not immediately known. No, but like they, they, by the, the book does the same thing where it's like he seems like just like a, a funny, quirky cook yeah. who, you know, who Jim works under as the cabin boy and and they get along and, and you know, Long John Silver seems to like him mm-hmm. well enough and Jim likes him. Yeah, that still happens in the book. Yeah. But then he ends up being the bad guy and there's. You know, not much redemption. No. For him, it's not like a comeback story. It's a this was the bad guy all along. And you're like, okay. I mean, I do <laughs> think there's still a soft a soft spot there yeah, in the book. Yeah, because they don't like there's kill still, him. There's still the well, there's still the soft spot, I think, between Silver and Jim. Mm-hmm. Right? Because Silver in both the book and the movie has opportunity to kill Jim and doesn't. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't and kill him by either one. Yeah. So and mm-hmm. also, yeah, Jim doesn't kill Silver. Silver doesn't kill Jim. They have like this silent agreement that they can't kill each other because they <laughs> yeah. like each other just well enough. But mm-hmm. it's pretty surface level in the book, I would say. I wouldn't call it like yeah. uh, an important storyline or anything like no. It's just kind of a part of the story, which is totally mm-hmm. different than the movie where that is. I mean, there's a whole montage about them. <laughs> there's a major montage with an amazing song by the Goo yes. Goo Dolls. Well, it's not technically the Goo Goo Dolls. It's technically, I think, just, just credited the- to the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls. Yes. But still. But still. I'm still here. Jim's theme is so good. Such a good song. It's such, such a, a bop. good song. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's just from the get go. There's more distrust in the movie, I think, because like we talked about with uh, Billy Bones dying his <laughs> final <laughs> breath. <the> <laughs> <laughs> so obviously Jim's like, whoa, cyborg. Uh-uh. And he hardcore distrusts him in the beginning. And then they he the silver really has to work at that relationship because he wants to get Jim on his side and through really working on that relationship does grow a soft spot, sees almost a little bit of himself in Jim and actually starts to care for him, which becomes a whole thing with his crew and a whole thing with the mutiny totally plays out differently because of his relationship with Jim. Mm -hmm. And then he almost becomes like this stand in father figure because very briefly going to touch on it. You can talk more about it. No, yeah, yeah, no, you're good. You're good. I'll just touch on it again. <laughs> Jim's Jim's dad left when he was a kid <laughs> in the movie. In the book, he dies because he's stressed because of Billy Bones. That's what it made it sound like. 
No, he doesn't die because he's stressed. That's what he, he sounded like when I read because he's. It. <laughs> but he got sick because he was stressed. No, he got sick because he got sick. And it just so happened that Billy Bones was already there when he got sick. And then the he just doesn't get worded. better. As the a lot of people in the 1800s did. They just don't get better when the they get sick. The way it was sick. worded when I read it made it sound like he was so stressed about Billy Bones that he died. No, but Jim's mom was. Okay, there you go. Um, so anyways, very different. It's one thing to have your father die. It's another thing to have your father leave. So Jim really didn't have this father figure in his life really growing up at all. Because his dad was just never there. He would like come and go. And then eventually he just left and never came back. So his relationship with Long John Silver became more of a father son, father figure kind of relationship. So in the end, when, you know, they escape the exploding planet um, Mm -hmm. and Silver's like, hey, I can't go to prison. I got to go. Jim's like, I get that. Like, here, I'll help you escape. Like go be well, especially free. because long john silver also in the movie like very clearly gives up his dream to save jim yes he gives also. up the treasure to save jim's life yeah in like the redeeming moment of the movie you see him make the ultimate sacrifice in his book which is giving up flint's treasure to save jim's life which is has been his lifelong dream kind of thing so. yeah and then you also have like that end scene and he sees silver in the stars and stuff because he does he he has that now deep connection and relationship with him and then also another honorable mention thrown in here because we forgot to talk about morph who is a million oh my gosh, times I love better morph. than the parrot <laughs> so much better than the parrot <laughs> morph is my favorite in that movie 100 percent. he's the best i love him um but that also is an important part of that relationship, seeing that back and forth, seeing him bond with Morph, who is Silver's And then pet. he lets Morph stay with him. And then Jim, Morph stays with him, like, and it's, ugh, it's precious. So it's that also <laughs> shows a, a large part of the depth of their relationship, the different degrees and, like, ways that they bond and grow together. Mm-hmm. And the back and forth of Silver wanting to care for Jim, but also wanting to seem tough for his crew and wanting to fulfill his dream and then realizing that Jim's more important than that. It's just a it's a beautiful relationship between the two of them. And I did not get that at all in the book. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. So, I mean, I guess that that's a great leeway into my number one, which which is Jim's characterization and Jim's character development. Yeah. Um, Because I do feel like in the movie, they give Jim much more of a backstory Mm -hmm. and much more of a care and and much more just character. Um, I mean, I think partially you don't get so much of it from the book because I mean, Jim is the narrator of the book, but mm-hmm. it's like older Jim reflecting back on this tale and like this adventure. Yeah, this he adventure had as a that kid. he went on. Whereas in the movie, I mean, I, it's not told from Jim's perspective. Like you Jim's clearly with the protagonist Jim, and main character. And then you follow him mm-hmm. through this coming of age story and you're there with him every but step. But it's of the not way. necessarily from his perspective because you're no. still seeing things that he's not, he doesn't see. Yeah. So. I mean, a a big part of it is I think that they did a great job and a necessary update to make the story more relatable Mm -hmm. to kids of today. Yes. And that was making him a bit rebellious, making him a bit, you know, punk teenager. Kind of just like a punk. Yeah. And which is common. Which in 2002 men who don't have a father figure in their life. Yeah. Like straight up. That's just a psychological study fact. And so it, it shows you, yeah, this background of even when his dad was, quote unquote, in his life, he wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. And when he was home, he didn't focus on Jim. He didn't focus on his family at all. And so then one day he just got on a boat and left and didn't come back. 
it, it puts a very stark focus on this on this need that Jim has for a father figure. It also alters the relationship he has with his mother in the movie compared to in the book, which I also really liked to see. I really like the relationship he has with his mom in the movie. I think it was very and well again, done. Yeah. Making it more relatable to today. Yep. And yep. the struggles that people have. And so Jim, yeah, he needs to grow up a bit. Yeah, he kind of needs to be taught like the hard lesson that, okay, well, you still can't throw your life away and just make dumb decisions because you he is extremely smart mm -hmm. and has the potential for a great future. But just, you know, is this angsty teenager who has some trauma <laughs> and some daddy issues and needs to work through them and this adventure kind of forces him to do that it's a coming of age story it forces him to face his traumas and you know there's that scene after the mr arrow thing where he you know it that was a major point of forcing him to vocalize what his you know big insecurities are mm -hmm. and that's a big stepping stone and turning point of him i think in his character development where, you know, he just yells like I screwed up. I can't get anything right. Just when I thought maybe I could be doing things right, like this happens and just proves to me that I, I really am just good for nothing. And I should stop trying is basically. And then you have this step in father figure, you know, tell him like, no, that's wrong. You need to see yourself, you know, the way others see you. You have to see this potential that I see, blah, blah, blah. It's this huge turning point in character development in Jim. You get that portrayal again when Jim realizes that, you know, Silver is a pirate who's planning a mutiny and all this stuff. But the second time around, it's not enough to completely decimate him because you still have him later say like, well, you taught me one thing, right? Chart my course and stay on track. And that's exactly what I'm going to do, you know, and it's just so much more focus i think on this character it's still a coming of age story regardless of jim hawkins yeah whether yeah. it's in the book or the movie but i think the way they go about it in the movie makes it much more relatable and accessible mm -hmm. to today mm -hmm. and i guess i'd say the youth of 2002 but even just the youth of right now just like youth yeah. in general in modern times yeah and as well as just i think made him a more compelling character Oh, yeah, for just sure. Just in general. There's I so feel much more like depth to his coming of age. There's way more depth to who he is yeah. and who he becomes and why he was the way he was in the first place. And, yeah, I just really like it. Yeah, so, I feel like the book, oh, This Jim, episode is long. We're almost at an hour. I didn't realize we've been talking this much. Um, book Jim is naive. Movie Jim yes. is rebellious. And that's the very big difference between the coming of age stories because of the book, it's naive to learning about the world to, you know, becoming a little bit more careful and understanding that there are bad things out there and, you know, right. Not having that naivety anymore. Movie, it's rebellion, self-confidence, dealing with his past trauma, overcoming it, becoming a responsible man and understanding his worth. Mm -hmm. Between the two. One is much more deep and, I think, personal yes. than the other. <laughs> Definitely. So, yes, we have been talking for a while. As you can tell, we love this movie. <laughs> we really like this movie. And but it, it it's like it compares well to the book, too, though. So I, the book is it's still complicated good. and they are great together and apart. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fan faux pas. Oh, yeah. That's, that's I believe we had. So I'm on Instagram. Do you want to open up the one that was on Facebook? I'm pretty sure we had one on Facebook. Yes. Okay, so we've got two on Instagram. I thought we had the third one on Instagram on the post. No, because the same person commented and oh, also answered right. in the story. Okay. So I'm just going to merge them together. Okay. I don't see a comment on Facebook. What the heck? I could have sworn there was one, but maybe not. Was it on a different post? Do you see it and I don't? <laughs> no, I guess we just we can just read the ones on Instagram then. Okay. Um, I'll read this first one from Jill D. 
And she says, I'm a fan of the captain and treasure planet being a woman. And the sci-fi setting keeps a classic story fresh, which I think we covered already. We obviously agree with. with. Um, And then Peggy A, who is our mother. So mom says... (laughs) She's the the one that she has a she has a comment. Okay, and she here's the thing, because she's our mom. She not only answered the story post, she also commented. And then later she texted us, too, because she had another thought. (laughs) I wonder where we get it from. (laughs) I wonder where we get it from. So she said, the only thing I can think of that the movie makes me like silver more than I should which, I mean, I just talked about. It's because they gave him a redemption arc, which they don't give him because in the book. Because they, they straight up did make him a more likable character yeah. in the movie than he straight is in the up. book. Then she also said, I'm going to say I like Treasure Planet more. And then she texted us saying that Morph is way better than the parrot. So All true. All true. All of the thoughts of our mother. So. Yep. So. And then... I guess it's just the age old question, which is, was the book better? And in no. this case, no, we're saying no, no, I'm sorry. Treasure Island think... is so good. If you haven't seen you it, Treasure you Planet? need to watch it. Treasure Planet. Sorry. You mean Treasure Planet. But here's the thing. Treasure Island is also so good. And I get it's an older book. Yeah. Written in 1800s. It's, it's like hard late 1800s. to read. I'm gonna be honest. And it's considered a classic literature or whatever. So a lot of people don't read, read it, but it's good and you should read it. And again, if you can't read it, listen to it. It it is a really good story and it's really well written and it's a classic for a reason. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't necessarily say that the movie's better either, but the book's Uh, not better in this case. I would because I'm biased. Because you, we love Treasure Planet. I know. And Jim it's Hawkins. It's so <laughs> good. So. It is. It's, if you want to give us uh, answers to our questions, which I think our main questions are going to be, did you have a crush on Jim Hawkins when you were a kid? Slash still. Um, <laughs> and. <laughs> slash always. Um, <laughs> um, and. Do you like the book or the movie better? Because I'm genuinely curious um, if there are people that like the book better than the movie, because maybe some people just like a pirate story more than a sci fi pirate story, which is fair. So um, again, I like them both equally for different reasons. This isn't one of those rare occurrences where I can separate the movie from the book in my head and look at them as basically two entities that are both good with their own merits. So mm -hmm. Um, if you want to answer our questions, you can check them out on our Instagram at TBWD podcast. That's where we always are asking you questions. So you can also give us fan faux pause over there. You can suggest books. I think when we shoot. Yeah. All that. I think we can also we might also start sharing these polls on our Facebook as well. But oh, yes, that too. For those of you who are like, okay, cool. But what about actual Treasure Island adaptations? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fear not. <laughs> because Tune in next, next week. week's mini-sode, we are going to talk about just the major impact that is Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. Because there is an insane amount of adaptations for this book. It's crazy. So we're going to talk more about it. And more about the different adaptations next week in a mini-sode. And then after that, it will be February. It shall be the month of love. The month of love. And we shall begin the month of love by talking about Dear John by Nicholas Sparks. Which is going to be interesting. I have always steered clear of Nicholas Sparks. I've never read a Nicholas Sparks book or seen a Nicholas Sparks movie. That's a lie. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, you have. Which one? Is the notebook not Nicholas Sparks? I haven't read and or I seen know the notebook. I've seen the notebook. I've never I seen know the notebook. You've seen it. I've never seen it. I've seen clips. I've never How? seen the whole movie. What? Okay. Isn't that Nicholas Sparks, though? Again, I haven't I think read so. it. But I think so. I've seen the movie. 
I've never read it or seen any of the okay. movies. So this will be a first. Um, for I've me. only seen the movies. I haven't read the books, but I've never seen this movie. I never went. I never saw Dear John, which no. was one of the reasons that led me to it, because I was like, this would be one of those where I had never read the book and had never seen the movie. It'll be yep. a whole new experience. Yep. This podcast is the only thing that could get me to watch or read a Nicholas Sparks novel because I've always <laughs> avoided them wholeheartedly. Uh, don't you worry, though, because that will not be our episode the week of Valentine's Day. We will be doing Pride and Prejudice the week it's of It's finally Day. time. And we will be having a special guest host for that episode. So Yes. Should be exciting. It'll Should be, be a good one. Fun. Yeah, so more Treasure Island stuff in next week's minisode, and then we will be talking about Dear John, which should be a fun episode, even if you're not into romances and stuff, just because Taylor hates them so much that that episode will be entertaining to listen yeah. to just from that fact alone. Yeah. So, facts. But, yeah. I think that's, that's basically it. No mm -hmm. other announcements or reminders there. Nope. So, again, though, just if you enjoy... Please follow and and leave good ratings for our podcast. Follow, rate, subscribe, Otherwise, all the things that you can do. All the things. Otherwise, we hope that you have a great week. And don't forget to read.